Ollie, you've been playing that guitar for a hell of a long time now, man. Are you ready for a beer? Yeah. It's a good recording session. Yeah, great recording session. Angus, good job, man. Yeah. Are we done? Are we done? Are we done? We're all done now. Okay, I'll go get some beer. Uh, doing the beer, right? Particular yeah. kind of beer, or Angus, our favourite beer. Uh, the Mexican beer. The Mexican oh, beer, man. Mexican beer. What's it called? Welcome back to another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment, featuring interviews with guests who are having success in entertainment, primarily music. I am Bruce Wozniak, talking to guests who are singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, and more from the worldwide music community. Do please stay connected. You can write to podcast at nhte.net, or instead of email, you are welcome to DM me through the at Now Hear This Entertainment Instagram account. Anything and everything to do with this podcast or the entertainment industry itself, I look forward to hearing from you. Do make sure that you are receiving the weekly e-newsletter I only send to you once a week on my podcast website, nhte.net. Pop your email address into the sign-up box and join the others from not only the U.S., but other countries who are getting information about the latest podcast and some exclusives in their inbox every Wednesday. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from England, my guest is a musician, composer, record producer, and filmmaker who two months ago released a single that has had all kinds of success on the charts, not only in the UK, but here in the US and elsewhere. There is a new music video for that song on the way, plus he has an EP coming as well as a live album. He has a combined total of almost three quarters of a million video views on his official YouTube channel, and his top five songs on Spotify alone have combined for approximately 128,000 streams. He was a guest on this show way back in October of 2017 on episode 192. You've been hearing a song of his called Mexican Beer Song. Welcome back to Now Hear This Entertainment, Oliver Sean. Hey, Bruce, how you doing? Wonderful. Thank you. Yourself? Great. Thanks for having me back on your show. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's great to have you back. We're long overdue, and you've been doing a ton since you were last on the show. But before we get into all that, let's start first by having you share with the audience all about the song of yours that was just playing called Mexican Beer Song. Right. So the Mexican Beer Song, I mean, what's the most famous Mexican beer you can think of? Corona, you know, <laughs> Corona. Everybody wants a Corona. And uh, what was the virus that we just had? Corona. <laughs> it's a, it's a nod. It's a nod to the virus. Going, hey man, you know what? We, 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 uh, we see you, but we're gonna, you know, we're gonna drink you up and you know move on. <laughs> That's <laughs> just brilliant. Just a fun song, and I think, I think a lot of people enjoyed it. You know, we made fun of it, but we, you know, we respected, you know, the power it had or the, the crap it did to us. But at the same time, we gotta, you know, see the lighter side of things as well. I think sometimes you're saying we, we did this with the song, we did that with the song. You co-wrote it, or are you talking about others that performed on it? Who all is involved in this song? We, I mean, well, to be fair, we're going to be talking about this very soon, further on in the podcast, I'm sure. But this song was sort of put out uh, with a lot of my fans putting in their input during the pandemic. My musicians, my bass player, my drummer, uh, and we recorded this in a garage, you know, while while the pandemic was on. So even though I wrote this song and, you know, it's, it's, it's me, it's, I'm the producer, I'm the composer and everything. But I do like saying we because it's a combined effort, you know. 
Yeah, it does. It sounds very collaborative. And I'm glad that you mentioned that because as we go through, when I say I'm glad you mentioned that, I'm talking about the actual recording of Mexican Beer Song because as we go through our conversation today, we're going to hear a lot about so much recording that you're doing, Oliver. I'm wondering, though, and I don't know if we talked about this on our first interview, when I'm going to have a guest on that was previously on the show before, I don't go back and listen just to hear what we talked about. But where do you do all your recording? Do you have your own studio? Is where you record different now from if I had asked you five plus years ago where you were recording then? What what does all that look like present day? Well, five years on, I've had loads of uh, you know success on the charts, the Billboard charts, the, the official UK charts and all of that. So now I own two, well, own as and I have my own two recording studios, two places where we do recordings. And then there's a third place that I go to where I collaborate with a well-known uh, sound engineer who I really trust and he's always with me on all my projects from now on because we just com- we just connect, you know. And uh, even though I'm a record producer, I'm an engineer as well. Uh, so I'll track uh, drums and bass and things like that in a very special studio that I call the garage, which is basically my garage. <laughs> so, but it's 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 a studio. It's a proper studio. It's got million dollar equipment in there. And then there is another studio in my third bedroom in my house, which is my production suite. And then we go to Far Heath Studios, which is my friend's studio up in Northampton, and. Uh, when I record my material, like my my singing or my guitar playing, or if I'm playing a, a different instrument, the keyboards or whatever, I like having Angus, who is the engineer, um, record that for me rather than me doing it on my own because I like that third point of view or that other person telling me if it's good or not, you know. So, uh, so yes, it's three recording studios that work as one. But, you know, as you were saying that, what I was also picturing is you get the opportunity to just focus on being the artist exactly. and let him do what he excels at. And let, and now, mind you, it's not to take away from your skills as an engineer, your skills as a producer, your, but it's in this case, I just want to be Oliver Sean, the vocalist yeah. and the guitar player. Yes. You know, you know, Bruce, that's, that's an amazing thing that you just said, because it took me a while to be uh, confident enough to, to allow another person to do that for me, mm. you know, always been this guy who always wanted to do everything on my own. You know, when I say DIY artist, I truly am a DIY artist, you know, in every possible way. And uh, even my my album that hit the MTV EMAs back in 2011, when, when we talked and, you know, we talked about that album back yeah. then, that was recorded entirely by me you know even my vocals my guitars i played drums on that album and i did literally everything and i just realized even though that album won several awards and hit the charts on mtv and all of that Mm -hmm. i could have done a better job if there was a third person or there was another person helping me do Mm -hmm. my parts wow and me just being the artist and eventually I did that, and I'm so happy that I did. I finally let go. I, I, I decided to allow or give trust to another person. Speaking of trust, there's been one person who's always been my co-producer since my very first single uh, back in 1999, and that's my mom. Hmm. Okay, So she has always been my sounding board, and she always gets co-producer credits for literally everything I've ever recorded. Wow, wow. Yeah. How cool is that? But now say this, Oliver, to the person who's listening that is an independent artist that says, I always go to a studio to, a re- 
to record, mm -hmm. but I think it's time that I learn how to do this myself and cut out that guy at the studio and cut out my expenses at the studio, cut out being at the whim of his schedule, his availability. I need to learn how to do all this stuff myself and bring it in-house. So what do you say to that artist? Okay, that's great. That's a great question. Uh, so there is a lot of benefit to being able to record certain parts in your own studio and cut prices. I know everything about having to cut prices back when I was younger. You know, my first demo was in a professional studio. I was 16 years old. My mom was sending me money from England while she was working just to pay for this demo recording, you know. And then I was like, I need to become an engineer. And that's what I did. Uh, so yes, it's great to sit in your house and do your thing and, and work on the ideas. But I'll tell you what, at the end for the final product, Get someone who's been in the business for the past 20 years, who knows what he's doing, because that will give you the edge over the millions of other independent artists out there. You yeah, know, I like the that. Reason, yeah. The reason a major label has that quality is because they get that artist, whoever that artist is, he's not better than you. He's just an artist as good as you or you're as good as him. The reason he sounds that good on radio is because. He's got the topmost engineer, the top producer who's got a third point of view telling him what sounds good or doesn't sound good. He's got another co-producer, you know, people coming in there just to sort of make your idea better, you know. So it's great to work on your, your studio, work on different parts that you can work on and save money that way. But towards the end for that final touch when you're singing. And you, you, you know, you don't know what it's going to sound like with someone else telling you what it's, if, if, hey, why don't you change that line? Or, hey, why don't you just sing that a little louder? You know, yeah, yeah and that's right. That makes all that difference. And here's what else happens is you start teaching yourself and you start puffing out your chest and your confidence builds up and you say, I'm ready to record myself. I've been doing this for three months. I've been really <laughs> devoted to learning this technology and to getting down the craft. And guess what? There's someone out there that's been doing it for three years and that's all they do, or they've been doing it for 13 years and that's yeah. all they do. So like you yeah. just said, you are getting their expertise. They didn't just learn this. They're not doing it in addition to four other hats that they're wearing. Exactly. So you are truly getting someone who is at their best and they're going to get your best out of you as the artist. Exactly. You know, they say that, you know, to really become a success, you need to surround yourself with the right people. And when they say right people, they mean the people who are, who are, you know, who excel at what they do. And they're just going to make your, your child, your song, you know, they'll just make that song better. It's still your song. You know, you don't have to worry about that. It's your song. Yeah. These guys are just making that song the best it can be. That's right. That's right. Let's come full circle, though. So you mentioned the garage and the fact that you do do this stuff on your own, not just as a as a trying it out. So are you, quote unquote, open for business or is the garage just for Oliver Sean's music? Oh, no, Bruce, I do a lot of uh, I do a lot of production work. I have a lot of artists who come to me to produce their music. So we do a lot of recordings. I record a lot of instruments. I have great session musicians who work for my company. So they come over to the garage. They come over to my uh, my recording suite in my third bedroom. Let's call it the bedrooms, the bedroom studio. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Let's call it that. So we do different different things in in different parts of the studio. So the drums and heavy guitars, you know, with distortions and massive amplifiers are, are, are placed in the garage. So that's where we record stuff for 
me or the musicians. We've got lots of, I've got lots of artists who come to me to record, who I've charted, by the way. These these song, mm. these artists have hit the, the Billboard charts, the iTunes charts, the Amazon charts, the official UK charts. And uh, those songs have not just been produced by me, but also recorded and engineered by me. Beautiful, beautiful. By the way, folks, speaking of recording, last week on the show, Joey Stuckey talked about his commercial recording facility in Macon, Georgia, and that he's got a new such space planned for 2024. He even had nice things to say about the Vocaster audio interface that I use for podcasting, but he was moreover giving the thumbs up to Focusrite, who makes that. And I've got to believe that someone of Oliver Shawn's stature is abundantly familiar with Focusrite, too, although probably their Scarlet range, since it's the world's best-selling USB audio interface, in fact, 5.5 million musicians and creators have chosen Scarlet as their audio interface, which includes an amazing bundle of software valued at over $1,000 to help produce tracks from a demo through mastering. And shh, you're going to want to be listening to now hear this entertainment throughout January for a chance to win a Scarlet 2i2. But I've said too much already. <laughs> but for now, look at the whole range. There are actually six different interfaces with input and output configurations for any recording need. On my podcast website, nhte.net, look for the ad that says Tell the World and tap or click on that to go to the Focusrite website to check out the Scarlet range of audio interfaces. That ad... Again, it says Tell the World is in the right-hand column if you're looking at nhte.net on desktop or if you're viewing the site on mobile, scroll way down to below the social media logos to find it. Oliver, this is a really random question, and we will get back on track after this, but I didn't want to forget to ask you this. And honestly, this could be a teaching moment for anyone out there who is an aspiring artist and or maybe any video creators but the question is, on your official YouTube channel, you have a video from just over a year ago. It says, Blues Dance World Beat Censored Version. This is brilliant, in my opinion, and here's why. And then, Oliver, I'll shut up and let you talk about all this. But first is, it's more than a year later, and it's got someone like me still asking you about it. Second is, at a time when content creators are constantly under the gun to come up with something new to post... You showed how you can repurpose something you've already put out to accomplish exactly that. And third is, where can people see the uncensored version? Because what can someone do? I'm putting this in the form of a question. What can someone do differently to repurpose a video so that it's different enough from the first iteration? Right. So... Uh... The uncensored, uh, I couldn't really put it up on YouTube because, well, I could actually, but uh, I had to put a lot of sort of uh, uh, certificates and whatever, you know, 18 and above and all that nonsense. Uh, the thing is, this was made for VH1 and MTV, and, and they had to send it back three times mm. <laughs> to, take, to take parts off. Because if you watch that video, you'll see a lot of, uh, a lot of skin, let's just say that. And... Uh, there are certain part, uh, places in the world where uh, I have a lot of uh, fans, let's call them that. Uh, my, my, I like to call them my family. Uh, and uh, like India and Dubai is one of those places, uh, some of those places where my videos play uh, almost every day on, on national television. Mm. So I make these videos. and uh, so. But in India, it's difficult. You know, like if I show a girl dancing on a, you know, like doing a whatever, on, on a 
what do you call those poles? You know, pole dancing. Uh-huh. Just they just censor it. They'll go. They'll just ban the video. You know. Uh-huh. So there's things that you've got to remove or whatever. So uh, people can now uh, become a subscriber. So we, we, you know, the there are certain uh, social media sites that allow me to have subscription services. Ah. So I'm a subscriber to Oliver Sean on Instagram and Facebook, and you get access to the uncensored stuff. Okay. And behind-the-scenes material, you know, things like that. Brilliant, brilliant. Wow, wow. So how far apart were the releases, meaning the uncensored version and then the censored version? Well, the uncensored, uh, we tried putting it up. It got it got banned in a, in a way. It was blocked off and everything. So we had to take it down. And uh, we just said, okay, let's just release the censored one. And that, that's what we did. But also, Blues Dance World Beat is basically, we took the Blues Dance song. And then we, uh, as a musician, this is there's so much content you've got already. All you got to do is add elements in and, and make it a different mix. So not only video content but you've got your audio so you've got this song that maybe did well you take it and, and add say dance elements to it and you've opened up an entire new market for you and then make a video for that mm. and that's how you repurpose your content rather than sitting there going oh i need to write a new song well if you don't have the time to write a new song or you are not inspired to write a new song take one of your old songs and maybe you've got brand new ideas for that same song and and you you know give your fans something beautiful to look at and listen to. Wow. Wow. Such great ideas. And it's got my wheels turning because we've all done this, right? Those of us who are content creators, maybe you're shooting what you think is going to be, I'll say an unboxing video, for example, and then you watch it back and you go, ah, this is stupid. Never mind. I'm not going to use this. Well, guess what? Oliver just said, put that behind a paywall somewhere because what happens is you set yourself up audience, right? On like Patreon or something like that. And then you put all this pressure on yourself and you say, gosh, I haven't put any new content up on Patreon in a while. Yeah. I don't have anything. Yes, you do. Oliver's telling you, yeah. you got the bloopers, you got the behind the scenes, you got the outtakes, you got the video where you can show people, look, this is me being vulnerable. I'm going to show you this really came out dumb. That's why I didn't really release it. But I'm going to show it to those of you who are on my Patreon. And they and, and you know what, Bruce, they love that. Your, your fans who, who pay subscription fees, Patreon or Instagram subscribers, they love to see the human side of you. They, they want to be close to you. You know, they go, oh, yeah, I'm a subscriber. I'm like his family. I'm his inner circle. And they know exactly what happened, how that shot was done or how much fun they had or how crappy it was, you know, but <laughs> <laughs> While we're talking about music videos, at the end of today's show, we're going to play the single that I mentioned in the intro that you put out two months ago. But for right now, just talk about the music video for that song, which is about to be released. Yes, well, uh, we filmed the video uh, but soon after the song was released. Uh, you know, I didn't have enough time to film it. I was on, on tour and went on tour. Um, we were meant to keep a few days away to to film the video and then there was some family thing that happened and I had to fly back to the UK immediately and we couldn't film. So I got a crew set up in the UK. I have part of my crew here. I had to get more people in because I needed a lot of drone shoots and I did a lot of motorbike shoots. Mm. We've come to too, won't we, Bruce, about my motorbikes. Yeah. But <laughs> but this video has me riding my fat boy Harley Davidson and, and doing a lot of speed riding and uh, you know a lot of stuff. So I needed a lot of different cameras and things like that. 
And uh, so we filmed this, this beautiful, beautiful video, which we're still in the middle of the edit, and it's going to be out uh, in January. Okay, okay. Well, that's why I'm going to encourage all of you in the audience to follow Oliver online, and I'll give you those details in just a little bit. But even though we're going to make the audience wait until the end of this episode to not only hear the song itself, but you talking about it too, let's just stick with this song long enough to ask one more question in that regard, meaning the upcoming EP that you're going to release under that title. When is that coming out? How many songs will there be? Any other details you can share at this point? Yeah, so uh, so it's 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 being packaged as a blues contemporary EP, okay? Because I've had a lot of success in blues. And uh, even though I'm more Americana, you know, that kind of music, but uh, blues is what I do. You know, my, my guitar playing is, is that kind of style. So so this album is going to be packaged like my Devil Is Back uh, album, which is also a blues contemporary album. It's going to have four, four, song, four originals, including The Mama Taught Me, and one cover, uh, a blues, traditional blues cover ah. that I'm going to... Yes, and it, I'm hoping to to release the EP uh, in March, but the music video for Mama Taught Me obviously comes out in January, where we're going to be pushing Mama Taught Me in a big way to the American market. So we, we pushed Mama Taught Me more to the UK market and my Asian market and did really well. The lyric video, uh, I don't know if you want to talk about that, but we I, I did release a, a lyric video mm-hmm. with the single when it was launched, which which did amazingly. I mean, it got 60,000 views on YouTube. It's just a lyric video. Mm-hmm. I just thought I had 5,000 views, you know, just my hardcore fans or something. And it's still getting views every day. So I'm just, my fingers are crossed that they're going to love all the work we're putting into the music video for Mama Taught Me. Yeah. The EP is going to, you know, the uh, I'm not going to release the singles individually. I'm going to, you know, just concentrate on the Mama Taught Me until January and then wait till March to release the entire EP for, for fans to experience the whole sort of experience of uh, Mama Taught Me and all the songs made to each other. I like that timeline because I like the strategy of you've released the single and now the lyric video is doing phenomenal, but people are going to want to see the proper music video and it's just going to build anticipation and let people consume that for a couple months. And then in March, the EP drops and people get, you know, I'm interested though in, in you saying that you're going to have a cover song on there. What inspired that? Oh, well, uh, you know, I released the Garage Sessions album, which I think you're going to come to in a minute. But uh, that album, uh, my I was talking to my fans during the pandemic, and I was like, what songs do you want me to put on this? And they were like, oh, why didn't you use uh, Wish You Were Here by Pink Floyd and things like that? And I was, and because they hear me doing that when I, when I live stream. Uh... And that's what, you know, I said, you know what? Yeah, let's let's put a cover in there. But to be fair, Bruce... Every album I've released, aside from my debut album, I think every album I've released has had a cover song. Well, not every, really. The So Good album had a, had Knock It On Heaven's Door, you know, mm. uh, that I did my, my style of it. And then uh, Devil Is Back, that album had uh, House of the Rising Sun on it. Beautiful. <laughs> so, like it. Uh, so, yeah, so for this album, I want to take like a Robert Johnson track. Let's like Eric Clapton does, you know, he t- like Crossroads is a mm-hmm. Robert Johnson song and he made it his own. So I want to take a song like that and or maybe take an Eric Clapton song and make it my own. It's interesting. This is actually a coincidence that two weeks in a row I have a blues artist on the show a little bit earlier. I had mentioned last week's interview with Joey Stuckey. And as someone who is blind and is a brain tumor survivor, not to mention a recording studio owner, he talked a lot about how the pandemic affected him 
both health-wise as well as as a business owner. Oliver, in your case, COVID started you into something that really ended up blossoming quite a bit. Share with the audience what I'm referring to. <laughs> so the garage sessions, you know, the garage sessions was basically uh, during COVID, me going live and, and uh, you know, I had lo- all these fans who used to come to my gigs almost every other week uh, to, you know, to watch the band play and things like that. And they couldn't do anything. You know, people were, were in a bad bad situation they they were just depressed about everything and so i just tried to say hey let's have some fun you know let's go live and have a chat online and and make it like it's it's like a coffee shop gig where my fans are sitting around having a coffee and i'm singing for them you know like what i do at my parties at home and so i did that solo and then my band guy said hey you know we can pop by and we'll sit in the garage which is like a studio which has all the equipment in and it's not uh, we can still keep our distance or six feet or whatever that was uh, keep our distance and have them as our uh, you know during the pandemic in the uk at least you could name certain people who were your sort of circle ah. i think you have that in america so you could ha- you could name six people who were part of your family or part of your circle and you could only meet those people so uh, my band guys obviously were part of my circle <laughs> so they would come by and we'd go live and all my fans would wait for that and we'd have these gigs uh, and they were proper gigs you know we'd go all out we'd like i'd do it like exactly like i'd do a gig in a pub or something mm. And so we started this Facebook group called the Garage Sessions. That was it. That was that was what it was. Just Garage Sessions, where I was going live and singing for for these guys. And eventually, they, we used to have. Uh, well, we started having these polls um, on the Garage Sessions Facebook group, going, "Oh, what songs would you like me to sing? Hmm. My originals, my old originals, some of the covers that I like doing." And every day there would be people who would be putting in songs and voting on the songs. And then I said, you know what? Let's record this. And that's what we did. We just the, the fans chose the songs that I should record, right? So I said, okay, we'll do four of my older songs in a new style, like a garage sessions mm. pandemic style. And we'll do another four covers that I love doing that we've been doing live streaming during the pandemic. And we t- so we took eight songs, four originals. For- older originals that I redid and four covers that I love doing. And all these were chosen by the fans. And we released it as, a, you know, as the Garage Sessions EP. Well, actually, it was an album because it had so many songs on it. And it hit, uh, initially, it hit iTunes number one on the blues charts here in the UK, simultaneously in the US, and then Amazon, uh, best hot new releases. And within two weeks, it was number eight. No, sorry, it was number. This one was number fourteen, on the official Billboard Blues album charts. Mm. Wow, that's unbelievable. I mean, that was like, that's a garage album. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. Something that started off as okay, we're in a pandemic, and I just want to play with my band, and my fans want to hear what I'm doing. I can't go do live shows. Let's just live stream, and it goes from let's do a live stream from the garage all the way to hitting the charts. Yeah, and not just any charts. We hit the Billboard charts. Yeah. Wow. Wow. (laughs) That was phenomenal, yeah. Oh, great stuff. Great stuff. I'm joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from England by musician, composer, record producer, and filmmaker Oliver Sean. Visit his official website at olivershawn.com. I will have a link to it on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. Once you land on his website, look for social media icons to engage with Oliver 
on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. He has an extensive music catalog, and you can purchase directly from the music section of OliverShawn.com. Do give him a follow, of course, on Spotify, but support Oliver by purchasing his original music, if not from his website, then from iTunes or other online digital music retailers. Do keep up with him online, of course, for information on where and when you can go see him perform live, not to mention for all the details about the new releases he's talking about on this episode, music-wise and video-wise. By the way, on the show page for this episode at nhte.net, I will also be putting a link to the first interview that Oliver and I did way back in October of 2017 for episode 192, so you can go back and listen to that. Christmas is over, folks, and all you gamers, all you musicians, podcasters, audio engineers, you're sitting there realizing that you're still wearing headphones that are taking all the joy out of not only the holiday season, but out of being a gamer, a musician, a podcaster, or an audio engineer. And it's because they're falling apart, they're worn out, they're uncomfortable. Do what I did. Get replacement ear pads and give new life to your headphones. Dakoni Audio has an extensive line specific to the brand and model headphones that you wear of replacement ear pads. I got them and even made a video for my YouTube channel about all this. And wow, what a huge difference it made. I even wear them for watching movies on airplanes now because they're so comfortable and they block out so much noise from other passengers and the plane itself. It also makes it a lot more enjoyable for long gaming sessions, long recording sessions, editing sessions, whatever. On my podcast website, nhte.net, look for the Dakoni Audio logo and tap or click on that to go to their website to look for the replacement ear pads specific to the brand and model of your headphones. That Dakoni Audio logo is in the right-hand column if you're viewing nhte.net on desktop, or if you're on mobile, just scroll way down past the social media logos to see it. Oliver, before all that, you were talking about the live streaming you were doing during the pandemic and how that turned into the garage sessions. Back in the intro, I mentioned that you not only have a new upcoming EP, which you told us is the Mama Taught Me project, yep. but I also mentioned that you have a new live album coming out as well, and that will be Garage Sessions Volume 2, yes? Yes, absolutely, yeah. I'm, I'm very excited for that one. So when will that come out? How many songs will be on that one? And and for that matter, you know, what made you decide that there was a demand for a volume two? Well, look at what happened with volume one. <laughs> <laughs> so and, and now, you know, now a lot of my fans, they're going like, when are you doing your next live stream? Obviously, we've cut down on the live streams because, you know, life has started again. You know, the recording sessions, live gigs and all of that. But I'm, I personally, I miss the live streaming. And I've, I've started now, I've started pushing that again, opening it up again. You know, every chance, every time we do a rehearsal, like yesterday uh, or day before, we did a rehearsal with the band. I do rehearsals on a Thursday or a Friday every week. And towards the end of the rehearsals, I go live for my garage session followers. Mm. And we, you know, we, we give them a little glimpse into our rehearsals and they just, it's just a nostalgic feeling of the pandemic, even though it was a bad time, we had a good time as well. You know, we had that wonderful sort of closeness. I, to be fair, you know, Bruce, I got in a lot of my fans got closer to me. They sort of became friends mm. rather than staying, you know, that, that distance, those walls sort of came down. And now I've got fans in all over the world, like who, who 
think or who feel like they are closer to me than just being fans. They're like friends now. Yeah, yeah. So when will Garage Sessions Volume 2 be out? Yeah, so so Garage Sessions Volume 2 is it's just going to be like this this extra thing that I release. Uh, obviously, our focus is The Mama Taught Me because that is the slick production. That's There's a lot of money being poured into that. And The Garage Sessions is something that I just want to, I just want to surprise people. It could be April, it could be May okay. uh, that it comes out, you know, but it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a fun album where we don't really, uh, we don't really, you know, get hurt if, people don't want to buy it, you know, gotcha. but I really hope people do. Yeah. But uh, it's just something that I want to put out there. Uh, again, uh, I've chosen four songs from my, from my debut album and my, you know, previous albums uh, that we haven't released as singles. So we've taken those four songs and we're reworking them, like Baby Baby, Life, and Na Na Na. There are songs that my hardcore fans know about them, but most of my other newer fans, like, hundred thousand people on Instagram now they have no idea about some of these songs mm. so I want to kind of making them more modern and I'm going to put that as a live sort of jam album or improv improvised album like Dave Matthews band that kind of stuff so it's, it's going to be less you know the first volume one of the garage sessions was very acoustic I made it a point to make it acoustic unplugged uh, this time around I'm gonna I'm gonna mix it up. There's gonna be acoustic. There's gonna be electric, but it's all gonna be live. Okay. Because okay. I love because I'm a live I'm a performer first and foremost. I go on stage and I do my thing, and that's what I am primarily. And trying to capture that on a, on a, on an album is very difficult. But when you do manage to do it, uh, you you can't always get a hundred percent of how it's gonna sound live. But if you can manage to get even in seventy five percent to eighty percent of what you you sound like when you're live fans will go and get that album they will like mr big you know you listen to their live albums you don't want to listen to their other albums you just want to listen to those live albums is that something something magical about a live album well and there's also the vice versa which is if somebody only hears the live album they're going to go i really like this oliver sean guy i gotta go see him do this live with my own two eyes in person because i'm sure it's a better experience than just sitting here listening to a recording of him playing live and so now it's a win-win yes. because you hooked him in they're coming to see your live show now they're going to become a fan they're going to get other music and merch etc yeah and also uh also uh, talking about you know point getting back to that point that you just made about content creators now of how to make new content so this is what i'm doing this this live this garage sessions thing i'm hoping to make into this annual thing or maybe every two years uh, where i take my older material and i i get to play play around with it without having to be stressed out about you know how it's going to sound it's just me having fun with that mm. older song and taking another four cover songs and making cover music on it as well Brilliant. and uh, my versions whereas my my pro albums that are part of my catalog uh, i i can uh, sort of uh, put in all my time and effort into that separately you know but whereas fun as a performer on this live album as well so yeah yeah as we are hearing, and as we heard back on episode 192 when Oliver was first on the show, you are having all of this success independently. Yes. Talk about supporting other independent artists' music via your WOA FM 99 show. Yes. Well, WFM 99 is something I started years ago, you know, when, when WOA Entertainment, my record label, uh, kicked off. Uh, initially, my record label was just a recording studio in Dubai. 
but I was I was doing my MBA there, and I was always, as I said, you know, into recordings and learning how to record. And then eventually, I started a recording studio, and that then turned into a record label because of my own music and my own album. And eventually, we started supporting other artists. So WOAFM 99 became this platform where it was a podcast, uh, but also a radio show. First, it was a radio show where we would uh, get in six to seven songs and I would talk to an artist just for a little bit, unlike a regular podcast where we talk for a long time. Uh, on, on the WFM 99, we just put in songs, you know, independent music that you, most people may not have heard in, say, India or Dubai or parts of the UK. Uh, so that's what I do with WAFM 99, and it's it's really grown. I mean, people love it because I bring in an artist like myself, and I'll be, and we'll talk uh, maybe 15, 20 minutes in the middle of the show uh, just to promote his music or whatever and have these six or seven songs surrounding that interview. Mm, I like it. I like it. We've talked about different facets of Oliver Shawn, the performer, but not only are you a guitarist, we've really talked more about kind of the, just the artist in general. You're a guitarist, but you're also a guitar collector. Yes, tell, I am. <laughs> tell us about, all about that. Yeah. Um, to be fair, sometimes I spend money I don't have on very expensive <laughs> guitars. <laughs> but you know what? I really believe that, you know, if, if you know guitars and you and you study guitars and, you, and you're so into it, uh, if you're in love with guitars, you can make it into an investment. You know, you can buy guitars, uh, that you know could go up in value. So, mm. for example, there's a, there's a limited edition ES335 that I bought, which was just 100 guitars made in the world. Mm. And I've got one of those. And if I sell that in, say, five years, I'll double my money, you wow. know. So wow. That is a great investment. That's like buying art. So for me, when I look at a guitar, I'm looking at a Picasso, you know. To me, that's a Picasso. So... I look at the guitar and go, oh, my God, that is the most beautiful thing in the world I've ever seen, because that's how much I love guitars. And so if I buy a very expensive guitar, uh, after researching it, the builder, uh, the quality, how, how, how much uh, interest it's got from other guitar collectors, and you then invest money into that. And at the same time, you've got those guitars, you know, you own those guitars. What's better than having that brand new guitar <laughs> or or a secondhand guitar for that matter? It's a guitar. To me, that's the best thing in the world. Yeah, I like it. I like it. And it reminds me, folks, I'm going to put a link on the show page for this episode at nhte.net to an interview that I did at the Summer NAM show in Nashville. I believe this was 2021 with Jamie Gale. And Jamie Gale curates the Boutique Guitar Showcase for the NAM show. And when Oliver is talking about collecting guitars and viewing them as art, it really is synonymous with the work that Jamie Gale does. It's kind of a different interview than you're used to hearing on NHTE, but I think you'll enjoy it. So I'll put a link. That was episode 391. Meanwhile, this is not connected to music, but... Oliver, there's another interest of yours that selfishly I want to hear all about since I am currently between bikes. But as people will see in the blues dance music video that we talked about earlier, you are also very much a motorcycle enthusiast. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm a big time motorcycle enthusiast. Uh, I've owned motorbikes since I was 13 years old. Mm. And 
I've had vintage motorbikes like the the Czechoslovakian Java 250. I've had the Yamaha RD 350s. You know all those vintage bikes. Enfields. I've had three or four uh, 350s and 500 cc Enfields. And then I eventually got into Harley Davidsons because I always wanted a Harley, but I couldn't afford it. So I decided to start with the very basic street model Harley uh, 750. Went up to the 1250, and I. To be very, I was very bad. I started collecting Harley Davidsons. <laughs> Not a good thing. Don't do it. <laughs> so, yeah. So I started freaking collecting Harley Davidsons, like my guitars. And, and I was quickly, you know, my mom and my family quickly put a stop to it, going, don't be foolish. You've got to stop this shit. <laughs> so I had, the, I had the Harley Street 750. I had the Harley 48, which is a Sportster model, 1,200cc. Uh, one I then went on to one of my favorite Harley Davidsons, which is the Street Bob. So I bought the Street. It was a 1,745cc motorbike. And I thought that was it. That was what I was going to stick with. But when I was 11 years old or 12, I watched Terminator, right? Mm-hmm. Arnold was riding the fat boy and I've had the fat boy posters up my wall when I was a kid in the boarding school and everything. And I said, I can afford a fat boy. I'm going to get a fat boy. <laughs> and I got the fat boy. And I love that bike so much that it's all over the Mama Taught Me music video, which comes out in January. Awesome. You know, so you got to see, you got to see the Mama Taught uh, the fat boy. It's a blue. Blue is my favorite color. My dog is called blue. And so I call my fat boy big blue because he's bigger than blue, my German Shepherd. Yeah, it's funny because just like a dog, you know, those of us that are motorcyclists, we all of a sudden kind of like our head goes up, you know, and our head kind of turns at that weird angle that dogs do. It's almost like the hairs stand up on the back of your neck when you hear a motorcycle going by. And so now I hear that you're going to have motorcycles in the Mama Taught Me video, and I'm thinking I need to make sure I see that when it comes out because exactly. because Oliver's my buddy, and I want to support him, and I want to see his music video, but I want to see the motorcycle in there. Oh, I must tell you that I've, I've recently also bought – I shouldn't be telling you this because you know, my, I'm going to get hell from my family because I bought this bike as well. <laughs> it's the Royal Enfield Continental GT650. It's like this vintage cafe racer. And Bruce, you're going to love that bike. I'm telling mm. you, in Florida, you want to ride that bike everywhere. Yeah. And the thing is that I had a, a Kawasaki Vulcan 750 and I went down at bike week in Daytona Beach, thanks to some idiot automobile driver, which is the way oh, most no. motorcycle accidents are caused. And so I've rented a couple of different Harleys since then. And you just get bit with that bug. And it's almost I'm, I'm interested to hear you say that because I feel like once you get to the Harley, you just don't really look at much of anything else. So I'm, I'm interested to hear that you've gotten something different. I, the, the only reason I got the, the GT650 uh, from Royal Enfield is because, you know, in, in, in England, when you go into the cities and you can't really take a fat boy. Yeah. A fat, my fat boy is a 1950 cc motorbike. Okay, that engine is bigger than the Mercedes that I drive. So it's massive. And to take that into the city and, and ride that in the city is, is, is not it's not fun. It's 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 more for the freeway, the motorway, you know. So I bought the six fifty so I can just, you know, ride around like I, I used to in university. And uh, that's what I did. So I have this smaller, sort of less Harley-ish bike. It's speaking of that, do you want me to tell you what I'm coming up with on my radio show? Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, so so you know how you and I we love motorbikes, so it's it's acquisition syndrome, gear acquisition syndrome, right? So 
I call that gas. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm going to have a one-hour show every month with a friend of mine. It could be you because you're into motorbikes. Uh, it could be my bass player who's into guitars or it could be a friend of mine from Goa who's into guitars or dogs or whatever. And we're going to have uh, this show called Oliver Sean's Gas. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. I like that though. Oliver Sean's gear acquisition syndrome. That's neat. Exactly. Yeah. And it's not going to be about promoting music or, and you know, we, we're just going to be two guys or a guy and a girl or whatever, sitting and just talking about something they just love and they just want to have, you know, or they have it and they just love it so much and they just can't stop talking about it. So we got, it could be an hour, it could be three hours. We'd just be talking and having a good time. Yeah, or the latest piece of gear that somebody just acquired. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. You know, I mentioned Bike Week here in Daytona Beach. I'm down in Tampa, but I say here because everything's relative, especially when you're a continent away. But when I was talking about Focus Right, I mentioned Joey Stuckey being on the show last week. During that interview, as he talked about some plans for 2023, he said that he will go out to California for Grammy Week. Oliver, I know that you are a voting member for the Grammys, so will you come to the U.S. and go out to California for Grammy Week as well? And if so, will you also try to book some shows so you can maximize the trip and perform while you're in the U.S.? Oh, yeah, but but I was in the U.S. in April for the Grammys in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. So this year, mm-hmm. uh, I, was, I was in Vegas. I had the best time ever. I mean, you go to Vegas, you're going to have a great time, aren't you? Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. Yes. I did make it a point to go there because I could because it was in April. Uh, this year, my tickets are booked. I've got I've got uh, my 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 Grammy tickets. The, my invitations were sent in, and I got the tickets sorted out. Uh, the after party as well. So I am going uh, unless unless a tour comes in because the tours are primarily you know more important to me and the band. So if there's a tour in another country, I might have to go there. But as of now, I am going to be at the Grammys. I'm also a mentor for the Grammy U, Grammy University, where I mentor uh, university students, like one student from, say, this year I'm mentoring um, a student from NYU. And, uh, you know, about she's a music uh, major whatever you call it and uh yeah so uh, so i'm very much involved with the grammys and hopefully i'll be there hopefully i'll do so last time i was in la i i performed at the whiskey a go-go ah. i went to Santa- i performed at the trip over there of uh, velvet underground i think it was i did that as well so there are a few shows that i did do uh, but this time when i go for the grammys i might not be doing like one-off gigs my own gigs i might just be going to these grammy parties mm-hmm. and uh, jamming or you know just supporting my friends who are nominated this year yeah i was just going to say you'll you'll probably have your guitar and jump on the show with someone else Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've teased this a few times throughout our conversation today, but we are going to close with Oliver's newest single, Mama Taught Me, which came out in early October. Oliver, we've heard about the video and we've heard about the upcoming EP. But before I let you go and I play that track, share with the audience all about this song, if you would, please. Yeah, well, this song is one of my most, I think, most personal songs. Uh, If you listen to most of my music, it's very... Uh, very happy stuff, very lighter stuff, you know. Uh, this one goes really deep, I think. and But also a lot of people can relate to it in their own way. Obviously, this is written for my mother, who's a big part of my life. I mean, moms are big parts of everybody's life, right? But my mom and me, single mother, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, uh, it's it's just a story of my life and, and how she made me a better person. 
you know. And I released it on the 4th of October, which was her birthday, by the way. Mm, okay. And I wonder, was it a surprise to her? Because you said earlier that you give her a co-producer credit on everything. So I'm wondering, does that mean that when you're working on a new song, you say, Mom, yeah. what do you think? Uh, you know, try this one out. What do you What do you think? I'm going to show you this song. Is that the yeah. case? And if so, did you show her Mama Taught Me? Or was it, no, this is going to be a surprise for her? I, I, I did keep it a surprise, a surprise until I completely finished the song. I didn't let her listen to it. She she heard a little bit of it, obviously, in the studio while I was working on it, but she didn't know what was going on until I started doing the final mix and master. And then, you know, that was her song she came to know. And she still didn't really grasp the, the, the concept that much until she listened to it properly. And she goes, oh, my God, that's a, one of the most amazing songs she's heard from me. And uh, and then when I released it on her birthday, she was totally surprised. And it hit number one mm. on her birthday, you know, in the UK, on the iTunes UK blues charts. And, uh, and that was a big surprise for her. It was like her number one, you know. But continue, because I believe it not only hit over there, it hit in the US. I think it hit in Switzerland also. Am I right on the different charts? On the same day, on the on the day we released it, it hit Switzerland on the blues charts and was the regular all the genre charts. Number two in the U.S. it was in the top ten, I think number seven or number five, and in the U.K. it was number one. Uh, but and and I, we didn't even target the U.S. You know, we didn't even push it there, and this was just through my fans on social media, and that that's how wonderful they are. But the U.S. market is going to be targeted once the video is out and it's going to be promoted big time, you know, like pushed to radio and things like that. So in Florida, when you turn your radio on, you are going to listen to it. <laughs> well, and you know, that's kind of what put Oliver back on my radar, folks. I mean, I follow all of the guests that have been on Now Hear This Entertainment. In fact, I don't know if I've ever even said this on the podcast before, but the Instagram account for Now Hear This Entertainment, it only follows people who have been a guest on this show. And that's what helps me keep up with what everybody's doing and to try to stay in touch with as many of these folks as I can. And in October, I saw Oliver release this new song and he was doing a really great job of informing everybody of where this song was hitting. And I saw that it was hitting all the different charts. And I said, I need to get him back on the show at some point. So this was 100% me. This was not Oliver saying, hey, do you think I could come back on your show and promote my new stuff? No, I was so impressed with all the success that I saw him still having after more than five years of having first interviewed him that I said, it's time to get him back on the show because he's got so much great stuff going on. So I'm so happy for you, Oliver. And it was so great to see that success for Mama Taught Me. Oh, thank you so much, Bruce. I really appreciate this. So when the songs that you're working on are in progress and you show it to your mother, does she give you feedback where sometimes you actually do make a, a notable enough change on a song? Yes. Yes, I do. Uh, there are times when... But, but, you know, the, one of the reasons that she is my co-producer on most of my music is because um, and, and Angus is probably the only guy who is allowed to tell me what to do when I'm singing in the studio. <laughs> because I'm, not, I'm not the kind of guy you can you can tell, oh, change this or change that. I'm not going to take that from anybody. You know? mm. I want to do it like this, you know, but uh, I, it's, it's good to have people that. Uh, who can tell you what to do like and my mother is the only person who can do that so she's I'll, I'll be pissed off i'll be like no that's not what i want to do and then i'll go back to sit and go yeah she's right i need to change that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was i was when you first started into your answer i thought oh he's gonna say but when mom says uh i don't know i'm i'm picturing yeah. you saying 
oh, what didn't you like about it, Mom? And instead you're saying, no, Bruce, I still got my guard up. And I go, what's wrong with it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And she's like, all right, then, don't ask me about it again. And I'll be sorry, Mom. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, Oliver, so great to have you back on the show. Happy New Year to you, my friend. Congratulations on all your success. And as we all heard, a lot of exciting things still on the way in 2023. So I know I will be interested in continuing to follow you but all the best with all your different projects. Oh, thank you so much, Bruce. And best of luck with your show. It's, it's doing great. Really, really fantastic to see you going so strong. Thank you. Thank you. And folks, with that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to musician, composer, record producer, and filmmaker Oliver Sean. Do visit his official website at olivershawn.com. Again, I will have a link to it on the show page for this episode on my podcast website, nhte.net. Remember to connect with Oliver on social media. There are links on his website for Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Be sure to also give him a follow on Spotify, although please support him by purchasing his music from iTunes or other similar online digital music retailers, or better yet, purchase directly from OliverShawn.com. Of course, be sure to tell Oliver that you heard him and his music on Now Hear This Entertainment. And again, do keep up with him online for details on his ongoing projects. The new music video that you heard him say is coming out next month, the upcoming Mama Taught Me EP, and the upcoming Garage Sessions Volume 2 live album. Folks, I hope you enjoyed the interview and that you like the show itself. If you want to extend a gesture to let me know as much, go to my podcast website, nhte.net, and look for the yellow logo there that says, Buy Me a Coffee and do exactly that. It would mean a lot to me because it tells me that you like what I'm putting out each week. It does not matter where you're located. It's a way that we can have a hot beverage together virtually. I'm holding up quotation marks. You can even put a personal note on there for me to see. That's going to do it for episode 463. Thanks ever so much for listening and have a happy new year. I'll send you out today with another song from Oliver Sean. This is the one you just talked about. It's called Mama Taught Me. Torn and tattered I tried But I failed But hey I'll keep trying Yeah Cause that's what mama taught me Made mistakes Damn I've been bad But I was forgiven When I made amends Cause that's what mama taught me